back to Beyond the Diamond. We're your hosts, Colby Rush and Hunter Broadbent. Remember to follow us on Insta at Beyond the Diamond Podcast and Twitter at Beyond the DIA Pod. Let's get right into today's show. All right, guys. Welcome to today's episode. Another busy week in the baseball world. We got plenty to get into. We had some retirements this week. We had the Hall of Fame this week. We had a massive trade with some big implications this week and plenty more free agency buzz to talk about. So let's get right into the show. Um, First thing I want to hit on right out of the gate is the retirement of my favorite player growing up. I know it's a cliche answer for a lot of people from Boston, but Dustin Pedroia is an absolute god. Um, Just his whole career he made off of proving people wrong, super inspiring and an insanely good talent. So it's a shame that it ended with the injuries as it did, but one hell of a career for Dustin Pedroia. Yeah, I mean, um, I will say whenever you you go into like a hitting facility or you're, you learn about like getting the chip on your shoulder. Anywhere in Massachusetts you go, they mentioned Dustin Pedroia because he really revolutionized that in the city, state of Massachusetts, city of Boston. But I mean, really in the entire MLB, like Altuve, the reason he's so good now is because he embodied that Pedroia mentality. The chip, playing with a chip on your shoulder, being the small guy, but proving doubters wrong. And I mean, he had, him and Ortiz were a power duo. Like, it didn't get much better than that. Yeah, I mean, that's such a good point about paving the way for these guys that lack the height factor. Um, there's so many of them just in all the sports now. And Pedroia was really one of the first titans of that. And going right back to high school and college, even, he really showed that it's possible to be a tremendous player, even when you don't have the advantage of being as tall as your teammates. Um, so, yeah, you were spot on with everything you said there. Um, definitely the end of an era for the Red Sox with him being there since 2006. Um, So many different accomplishments in his career. And it's tough to see all of these guys we grew up being big fans of retiring. Um, Just in 2020 alone, we've had Howie Kendrick, Danny Murphy, Hunter Pence, Alex Gordon, Jose Reyes. 2019, we had CeCe, McCann, Tulowitzki, Ichiro. 2018, Beltre, Maurer, Utley, Victor Martinez, David Wright. Let's face it, Albert and Miguel Cabrera probably coming soon. Buster so Posey, Brandon Crawford are probably next, though. Yeah, it's tough seeing these guys that were our idols um, now that these we're in childhood. College. This was our childhood. Yeah. So as long as we uh, still have Mike Trout going, I guess he'll be a connection to that <laughs> era. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. I mean, he's, yeah, po- Posey, those guys, they were drafting 09 ish. Trout was. 11 so it's close yeah um pretty much anybody before like 2015 still fits that old school mold but really these guys are just the old old stars the old guard um the ones who brought us into the game yes exactly i mean his mvp year in 2008 it's like you know right as people like us were really starting to actually appreciate baseball i mean sure we loved it as little kids but actually being old enough to understand everything and appreciate it um that was right around the era so the 2007 world series performance he had in the 2008 mvp season was like right at the start there yeah the last thread to it Um, i agree great guy it sucks that he went out like that i honestly didn't even know he was on the braves but he's obviously a red Sox for life um yeah so many different things he did throughout his career going back to the stuff I just talked about the classic uh, Jeff Francis story from his game one of the world series home run of Aston security guard ask Jeff Francis who the bleep I am following that up with an crazy good MVP year the whole laser show performance in 2010 with he was having another MVP caliber season before he went down with the injury Um, that performance in Colorado where he hit all those home runs that night um 2013 signing a team-friendly extension to stay in boston the rest of his career um heart and soul of that world championship team playing through a handmade bone that he broke on opening day um the rest of his career you know he did have to deal with those injuries especially with the machado slide something that is tough and uh why manny machado will not really be a fan favorite in many cities for some instances he's had like that but um, he still hit almost 300 in 2017, despite his knee being bone on bone. 
Yeah. And then the last few years, the comeback attempts were tough. They didn't really go too well for him, but was still a great leader for that team despite being sidelined. But the fact he tried to even make the comeback is shows who he is as a person and a player and what he wanted to do. They didn't need him. They didn't need him, but he wanted to play because he knew. He knew that they weren't necessarily relying on him, but that if he if he's there, that is a big morale boost for them. Oh, no doubt. Even as a part-time player, if he had been able to stay healthy, it would have just been a great boost to the team. Um, granted, he still had plenty to give, even just being on the bench sidelined. But, yeah, I mean, it says everything you need to know about the guy. That 2019 opening day with the ring ceremony at Fenway and him coming back, even at, even if it was short-lived, was a great moment in Red Sox history to see him taking the field again with everybody. And the Pee Wee story. Just saw that on TikTok. Great story. Give, yeah. me, give me some laughs. For our listeners that aren't familiar with that one, uh, David Ortiz didn't know Pedroia's name through most of his career. He thought it was Pee Wee, despite hearing it announced about a million times on the PA system uh, before his at-bats. How can you not love these guys? Um, yeah. No, great, great player. Great guy. Really was very influential for the smaller guys in the league in all of sports and a lot of small guys in Massachusetts. Yep. Hit the nail on the head with it. Um, so right now in his press conference, he said he's coaching his kids' little league teams. Um, seems like it was just a decision he made too for his quality of life to be able to spend more time with his family rather than killing himself to come back for what might have just been another really short comeback bid. So wishing him all the best in retirement for an absolute legend and a titan of Boston. Yep. Now on to a um, little better of a story, I guess you could say, or worse, depending on whose side you're on. Um, uncle Stevie, uh, beyond that, I'm his favorite uncle, uh, had to delete his Twitter for not funny reasons uh, this weekend because um, he got into a little Twitter battle with uh, Dave Portnoy, our other boy. Um, so it was a little tough for us this weekend because, you know, it's our two two dads going at it, really, our <laughs> uncle and our dad. Um and I mean, Dave was completely in the right, but the fact that Cohen got death threats from it shows that we as a society are um, a little messed up and it should just be like, he was. they were just having some fun and obviously there was money at stake, but in the end, it was just some lighthearted fun. Yeah, I love the way you phrased the relationship between uh, those guys and us. It's pretty good stuff, but uh, yeah, a... An interesting week, to say the least, on Wall Street with everything going on between these guys. Stonks. And yeah, for those of us not watching on YouTube, Colby has the flag of stonks behind him um, in his dorm. But uh, yeah, crazy week with the GameStop and everything. Um, and yeah, it came to the point where Steve Cohen is got all of his money as a hedge fund manager, and he was taking a lot of heat for these decisions that were made. And uh, yeah, they get into the dispute and now he won't be able to interact with Mets fans that he was having fun doing in his first few months of ownership. So uh, all around, just a weird situation, entertaining to follow nonetheless. But uh, yeah, you wonder maybe he'll go out there and spend some money on Trevor Bauer to uh, take the attention off of it, considering it seems like there are some other teams losing interest with the price tag. Yeah, I agree. It's um now that would be something if Bauer went to the Mets because I mean they're they're on the cusp I'd say it's a tough as we know the NL East is probably the best division in baseball so um Bauer going there would definitely help put the Mets close to the Braves but I still I would still probably favor the Braves just because of continuity um but I also don't think Bauer's going East I think he's set on going West yeah it's definitely the most likely situation right now but. Who knows, money talks, and the Mets, as you said, they're right on the cusp of contention so that he could really put them over the top. And having him and DeGrom as a one-two with Syndergaard coming back soon, watch out for that. And I forgot to even mention, I mean, the Mets trade, um, freeing up the space with that, it has. It looks like they're going all in for Bauer based on those trades that they made. That's very true. That's a great point. Um they got Sean Reed Foley to be a depth starter of that too. So it's not like they completely got nothing, but 
Matt's is a guy that underperformed, so maybe he can offer Toronto something. They seem to definitely be in the business of grabbing all the veteran arms they can on short-term deals and seeing if they can get anything out of them. So uh, had its benefits for both sides, but yeah, you're right. It opens up a spot in the rotation for the Mets and clears up some money. So the Bauer questions, they are very fair questions considering the landscape right now with all these free agents coming off the board. Yep, I, I agree. I mean, Toronto is making definitely a big push. Um, the That would make the AL East competitive besides the Orioles and Red Sox, of course. Um, although the auto veto trade makes that a little more interesting, but they still don't have much else, um, unfortunately for you. Sorry. Um, but the Yankees, they're not going to stay healthy. We know that the Rays seem to do well somehow without having a team every year um, or trading away their team. So I'd say the Blue Jays get maybe another pitching guy or maybe bring up a prospect of, at some point in the season. And I'd probably make them my favorites for the AL East. I don't know if you agree. No, I mean, they definitely have the potential to do that. The lineup's looking great. Obviously, George Springer um, goes without saying. But the young guys like Biggio and Bichette and Vlad Jr., how can you not love that lineup? Um, The Yankees, as we've said on this show many times, still have plenty of question marks, even with all the talent they have. So... No, I definitely don't hate that take. Um, the Jays have just as good a chance as anybody. Um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, if they need another starter, I know I'd be a proponent of putting UConn's Anthony Kay back in the rotation. But uh, just wanted to throw that one out there. Shout out. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, the Blue Jays should be good for sure. Another tough blow for the Yankees with Masahiro Tanaka deciding to head back to Japan. Uh, he was a, you know what, he had his ups and downs, but at the end of the day, that seven-year, $155 million deal, I'd say worked out well for them. He was a very solid performer. His elbow held up the entire time, despite looking like it wouldn't right out of the chute. Uh, leading up, like, anywhere from one, two, three in that rotation, he bounced back and forth a few times with some of the moves they made, but... All in all, he was a great Yankee, and it's tough for them and their fans to see him go back to Japan. But you have to tip your cap to the guy wanting to go back to his homeland and maybe finish his career out there unless he decides to come back to the States at some point. Uh, I mean, I can see how you say that because, I mean, he did have insane postseason numbers. I think it was like a 1.79 postseason ERA with the Yankees, which is insane. I mean, we can't argue that. But I will counter with saying, his regular season stats were very bad in comparison to what he was hyped up as and how much they paid for him. Um, so he definitely underperformed in the regular season along with the injuries, unfortunately, which, I mean, you can't blame him for, but um, I'd say not winning a championship with the team that was around him at points in his career is definitely not necessarily on him, but as a whole, that's kind of a failure for the Yankees. And we, I know we love shooting on the Yankees. So, um, so that, I mean, that's something, but I'd say overall, it's probably a good, it was, it was definitely a good thing for them, but there was definitely parts where they failed. I'd say. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. Um, it's a fair take. The lack of championships is the most pressing issue. Uh, they've had so much talent over the years and especially the runs in 17, 18, 19, and 20 uh, with Garrett Cole in the mix, no doubt. Uh, you thought those were championship caliber teams, but they never got past ALCS. Uh, Houston Astros, definitely their nemesis over the years and the Rays always being pesky. But um, you're right, Tanaka's numbers were more pedestrian in the regular season. Definitely not a superstar. Had a few all-star performances. Um, all in all solid though, kept his ZRAs in the three and fours. Um, but yeah, the postseason he had that splitter just working like crazy and was just yeah. ridiculous wipe out. So as terms of a big game performer, definitely got their money's worth, but Until on the, the whole, end. the last two games weren't, I suppose. Last two games weren't the best. Um, but I think his regular season area was around Jose Quintana's numbers, which it was like a 3.59 in that span, which isn't great, especially for that money you'd expect him to have in the twos, but it's not terrible. It's not a seven, a five. Um, also add to the nemesis list, um, 
the Red Sox from about 2015 to 2019. Um, yeah, he couldn't really pitch against the Red Sox. He, he was always bad against them. It was a tale of two Tanakas. He would either get absolutely lit up or just completely dominate the Red Sox. There was no in-between with that guy. There were some performances that he went in the Yankee Stadium and just completely mowed them down, go like seven innings with 12 Ks. And then other times like that wild game in London where <laughs> and Porcello both got rocked in the first inning. Um, that was so a fun game to watch. That might be the craziest regular season baseball game I've ever seen. Just some wild run swings back and forth. Wasn't that the same year as the postseason game in Yankee Stadium when they routed them? Uh, that was the year before, but um, still pretty run. much the same lineup for the Red Sox. Yeah. Yeah, that, that game was something. They're just The rules did not apply in London. Those balls were flying. They juiced them. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I've ever gone as crazy for a regular season home run than I did when Chavis tied that game up with the grand slam in the first inning and Tanaka got yanked. It yeah. was uh, death to pitching over there. Um, all right. So there was other big news uh, this past week, not weekend, because um, we have obviously we've had busy college schedules, so we haven't been able to record in a while. Um, Hall of Fame voting. No one was voted in a bit. I wouldn't say surprise, surprisingly, no one was voting in, voted in, but the numbers, some guys increased a lot more than expected and some guys didn't increase at all, which was unexpected. So I'd say that looking at the number of votes, that was more of the surprise. But I mean, I think we knew when we saw that uh, I was like 50% of the ballot was out and Schilling was the highest at 74% or whatever. No one was going to get in. Yeah, and just like the political polls, seems like over time the numbers always go down. So you knew the 74% probably wasn't going to increase. Um, but yeah, I mean, you look at that ballot, you probably figured it was going to be only one or two guys getting in unless there were some massive jumps in votes. Schilling, I'm sure we'll get to plenty of that conversation, but um, Bonds and Clemens as well. You would think that a year like this with not the superstar ballot would open the door for guys like Roland Viscal, Billy Wagner, Todd Helton, Jeff Kent, that, that group of that is kind of debatable of whether they're in the hall of very good or the hall of fame. Um, Which the hall of fame is kind of turning into a hall of very good, but that's beside the point. Yeah. Um, that argument can definitely be made with guys like Harold Baines. Um, I mean, there were some jumps. Roland got up to 52.9%. Yeah, that was a that was a big one. Um, he was at, what, 30-something last year? Yeah, I believe so. Um, and, and then Omar Vizquel kind of stayed the same after he had some allegations against him that hurt him yeah. a bit. Todd Helton is the guy that made some big jumps, though. I was surprised by Kent. I, I know, um, obviously, in the cringy uh, video, we saw that every, he thought uh, – uh, who was it? Was it Rosenthal? No. Who do we see the ballot from? Um, the video. Oh, Tom Verducci's. Yeah, Verducci. Um, yeah, Completely he was like. There. <laughs> I mean, he was had a hard on for Jeff Kent, which, I mean, obviously as a Giants fan, like, yeah, Jeff Kent was good, but I did think he would jump. A little more than he did he didn't seem to jump that much i thought he'd get to like the 40s at least yeah i was a fan of the candidacy of jeff kent um i love watching like brian kenny the arguments he makes for guys like this and then will be now um but aside from that i thought kent was a guy that we could see make some huge jumps this year and in the 32.4 percent range that's still he's got a ways to go so it's Looking like unless something drastic happens in the next few years, he might be a guy that has to pray for the Veterans Committee, which is surprising considering one of the better second basements out there um, in the recent history of the game. So And um, Andy Pettit, new to the ballot, Torrey Hunter, Bobby Abreu, Tim Hudson. I mean, Pettit leading it with 13.7. That's not bad for a first-timer. It's obviously the Yankee part that's getting him that far because I don't think he's Hall of Fame worthy but yeah Mark Burley and Torrey Hunter guys like that 
great players, had tremendous Longevity. careers, yeah. around for a long time, but might not be in that elite category you need to be to get into Cooper's yeah. team. Tim Hudson's that same way. I love him, obviously. He was a huge part of the Giants championship run, but he's not – no offense to him, obviously, but he's not – He's not a Hall of Famer, I would say. Yeah, and along those lines, if I had a vote, I would give one to Shane Victorino just because of all his contributions to Boston. Or yeah, talking about our I'd fandoms. Vote, I mean, I'd vote for Tim Hudson, but I don't think he's like – it's the same thing with Victorino. Obviously, you're going to vote for him as the homer, but realistically, you know he's not getting in. Yeah, definitely. So, all right, now let's get to those controversial issues at the top of the ballot. Kurt Schilling at 71% um, <laughs> is the definition of shooting yourself in the foot. He had some controversial social media and some comments that drove down his tracking. You thought, looking at the ballot at the start of this year, he would have been a shoe-in with how his percentages had been steadily rising. But it's just, it's a shame well, because I think he has the talent to be in there. So it's just tough all around. I think if social media never existed, Kurt Schilling would have been in there in year five um, because of his postseason numbers. Um, now with social media, he's now going into year 10 and asking to be off the ballot, which is an insane move. But also I respect it because uh, the BBWA um, sucks. And... Um, they they don't deserve any respect and i understand what he's saying where they have they have no integrity and they're not respecting the game with all this and that i mean that makes complete sense his argument so i understand where he's coming from but like you said he's shooting himself in the foot by doing it also and all the social media yeah i mean um saying he wants to go to the veterans committee where they actually know the game it's uh doesn't reflect well on the writers but i mean he's not wrong i understand both sides i understand that the writers don't want to support what he's supporting because it's very controversial and i also understand how he feels as though the writers are being unnecessarily hard on him because it's a baseball museum and he had a great baseball career like you said his postseason stats were incredible and everything he did with the 01 diamondbacks and 04 red sox and 07 red sox for that matter um would normally probably weren't a hall of famer especially with guys like jack morris getting in over the last few years yeah no i mean so here's my argument for it like for on shilling side the baseball writers are told not to take like they're to to take the integrity of the game into question but not character off the field i don't believe mm -hmm. um I don't, I don't i mean ty cobb's in the hall of fame so clearly not um i mean that guy's one of the worst human beings ever to ever walk the planet so that just shows how like it's the whole voting the writers are too political now they wait 10 years to vote and then 14 blank ballots this year you should be like off that you shouldn't be allowed to vote i know you suggested this it should be a punishment you're not allowed to vote if you submit a blank ballot i mean i just it's not right i feel like it's a spot to you know if you showcase really the talent if it's you not don't about want the writers. Vote, yeah. If you don't want to vote for Schilling or the steroid guys, fine. I, I'll respect that. But give a vote to a guy like Billy Wagner. Give a vote to a guy like Todd Helton. Give a vote to a guy like Andrew Jones. It's a perfect place to increase their standing. But just submitting a blank ballot is, it's just a tough look. I don't like it. So yeah, I mean, I feel like maybe something like that might be tough to enforce, but really just put one guy on there. Just don't submit a blank one. Come on. I think obviously there's politics involved with Schilling. And I mean, that's obvious with the writers too, but I think this is more on the writers than Schilling, if we're being honest. Schilling hasn't done anything to help him, but the writers are making this all about themselves. Like if we're talking about, I know Verducci and his thing said, oh, you can tell the story of baseball without Barry Bonds. No, you can't. That's absurd. You cannot tell the story of baseball without the greatest hit, greatest power hitter of all time. I don't care if he used steroids. That doesn't improve hand-eye coordination. He still had a Hall of Fame career before steroids. Yeah, um, you definitely can't tell the story without the guys. Whether you like them or not, they are an integral part of the story. When you look at they came out of the strike in 96, 
after losing so much revenue, they needed to get the game back to a good place. And these guys, let's face it, they were probably taking steroids, as Mark McGuire has admitted. Um, the home run chase was awesome for the game. It got them back to where they needed to be, got the fans excited. And there are so many downsides to steroids. I know personally, like my uncle was a pitcher in the minor leagues in the 90s, and he fell victim to facing some steroid guys going up against that competition. But to get back to the main argument, um, as you said, we can't tell the story of the game without them. And as a baseball museum, they, if you put them in there, you do tell the story. And there's already some controversial names in the Hall of Fame with the likes of Ivan Rodriguez and Bagwell. They've had some allegations against them. Now I can't say whether or not those are true. But point being, there are still some names that some might see as tainted in there. So it's almost like the floodgates have already opened. So why not vote them in? And I mean, I'll add the commissioner, obviously, Selig. I mean, he's the, he, author, he authorized it. You yeah. can't put him in and then say, and then punish the guys that he allowed to do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's worse than all of them. By Now, gr- granted, I loved it for the game. I mean, obviously, you watch those highlights and you're like, wow, those guys could hit. Obviously, there's juice involved in that. But at the same time, you watch Barry Bonds before he took roids, even when he came to the Giants, um, he was still hitting bombs. Like, it wasn't like he wasn't hitting balls. They just weren't going 500 feet. They were going maybe 430. Yeah. Or Roger Clemens, he was young stud for the Red Sox in 1986 yeah. as a very skinny kid. Probably yeah, he just wasn't taking steroids then. But and actually, that's a great point. I'm glad you brought him up. Pitchers and hitters were both using it. So steroids versus steroids, it basically cancels out. If you want to look at it that way, which, I mean, obviously I'm going to because I'm, I'm all for the steroids. Bring them on. Um, but just juice everyone. Put them, bring back steroids. Legalize them, as our friend Will Allham would say. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, Clemens is taking them, Bonds is taking them. They face each other. That's a that's just like no one taking steroids, it's just more power versus more power. Mm-hmm. And here's the other thing that I have trouble with is Bonds and Clemens obviously have all those records, but why are they getting traction when a guy like Sammy Sosa is sitting there at 17%? He's got well over 600 home runs, he has the track record, you could say, as a Hall of Famer. So why is he not getting voted for as well? Um, now, Manny, you can point to and say he's on the record with some positive tests officially. But I feel like Sosa kind of falls into the same boat as those other guys. And now, granted, he's had some odd stuff going on with his changing of his color, let's just say. Over I the think last so, few years. Yeah, I'd, I'd say Sosa probably falls into a combination of Bonds, Clemens, and Schilling if I might say, like he's steroids and politics almost, if you know what I mean. I get you. Um, he's vehemently denied it, which it, I mean, oh, he obviously took him, him as a strong looking guy. It's more likely than not that he did. But anyway, point of my story is it seems almost hypocritical that you're going to elect some steroid guys in, but not everybody either just say, complete no to anybody with even a sniff of allegations against them or just open the floodgates i feel like the in-between game we're playing isn't cool so this is the other argument i know i brought this up to you before if steroids do so much how come everyone wasn't hitting 762 home runs it's clear that bonds had to have the talent to do that you're right i mean otherwise mcguire sosa all those guys would be hitting 700 home runs they're not same with clemens everyone would be winning 11 cy young awards they're not though that's my argument against sosa too those two guys were clearly more talented than the other ones too now sosa still had a hall of fame career yet but because of the steroids and he didn't reach the levels they got i can see the argument it's not fair but i can it's it's justifiable in a wrong way but i can still justify it Bonds and Clemens should be in. They were more talented than most players ever have been. Yeah, they took steroids to taint it. But, like, those are insane numbers that will never be topped. You're not winning 11 Cy Youngs ever. Mm -hmm. No? Yeah, I I definitely get where you're coming from there. And we've seen some of the younger writers adapt this strategy that we have here. And some of the more old guard has gone against it. 
Um, one last point on Sosa. I'll say, um, obviously, he isn't in the same category as Barry Bonds, but he's a guy that if you look at his resume and say he played in the 1950s when steroids were never a thing anybody got accused of, he would have been a shoe in first ballot. Oh, yeah. So that's I why agree. I say he should be included with everybody else. Um, I, it's it, If the steroid era, if all those if Bonds played in the 50s, and the steroid era wasn't a thing. He would have. He would be in. They would all be in. It's because the steroid era is tainted for some reason. But then why isn't this era tainted? Because the balls are juiced. It's the same thing, just ta- tainting something else. Yeah, and I suppose we'll be hearing plenty of that in the future. But I, I guess people to see it as a more level playing field, even though it's unfair to pitchers. But they would probably point at, look, it's not been a problem for Degrom and Scherzer. But it's just, it's a really tough debate. Um, talent that's when talent comes in but yeah no you make a great argument with that and i can't argue the fact that you have to have talent in order to be successful and we're just going to run into more of it with a rod and and big poppy joining the ballot now i'm definitely in a camp saying that big poppy's test was overblown and it was in a report the mitchell report that had a lot of falsehoods included in it it's kind of a sketchy document um, so I think everything he did, obviously, says Hall of Famer. People will argue against the DH, but I think personally, I would have him as a first ballot guy, and if not, then absolutely a second ballot. And Arod is to me, he's the same as Manny. He has those positive tests on record, so I don't think he'll get the support. So Arod's not a Hall of Famer. That's clear to me. Um, he awesome player. If he never taken steroids, he probably would be a Hall of Famer. Agreed. But he was definitely he probably was better than Derek Jeter, if we're being honest. Yeah. Um, At least he, I, I know defensively he was. Derek Jeter was very overrated defensively. We all know those numbers. The negative one sixty two runs saved or whatever. Yeah, Arod came up with that Ken Griffey type hype in Seattle. Yeah, I mean he was lived up, to, up it. to it till he took steroids, unfortunately. I mean, he had two of the biggest contracts ever before Machado and Harper came around yeah. and Stanton, basically before Scott Boris. Um, and then with Ortiz, I'd say, I mean, it doesn't even – say he tested positive. I don't care. He did it so early in his career. That was, what, 03? Yeah, I believe so. So that was, like, right when he came – right before he came to Boston even, or mm-hmm. right when he came to Boston. Yeah. Then he had a Hall of Fame career. Now, granted, being a DH, I will say – does hurt him because that is a one-dimensional position so that's why i say he's not first ballot he should be but he's not because of the position i'd say he's probably second or third probably mm-hmm. leaning towards third because of the old timers in who are voting who again we say suck if it's all new guys voting then he's definitely first or second ballot but because of the older ones i'm leaning towards second third just because they're going to lean towards, oh, he was one-dimensional player. He could only hit. He couldn't field. But obviously, he proved that. He not necessarily proved that wrong, but he was such a good hitter yeah, that he approved it wrong that way. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, Edgar Martinez, it took him a while, but David Ortiz is five times more impressive of a career than Edgar Martinez had with the postseason stats and everything he did for the community. And, and just, man, is a god. Uh, so I think first ballot, second ballot, but I respect what you're arguing. Um, and at the end of the day, we once again back to get back to the point that it is the writers who are deciding this. So they will always go either way. But right now, if the ballot's in the same spot as it is, I don't think the Hall of Fame will want another year with nobody on the ballot. Now it works out for them because they have Jeter and Larry Walker from last year that will get inducted this summer because of COVID canceling the ceremony. But the league does not want another empty Hall of Fame ceremony. So that's that's another reason why I feel like... And I, w- I will add, I mean, Schilling's probably going to get taken off anyway, but they will have the Veterans Committee. Um, so that'll help. But yeah, no, there's no way they go another year without... They don't go back to back years. And I will add, um, I saw this rolling around Twitter. They need to change the voting system. Why are writers... It's the same thing with the NBA. Why are writers determining who makes all NBA and who makes the Supermax contract? Why are writers determining who has the legacy in baseball? Schilling was completely right saying that. His legacy is not tainted at all. It's the writers who are trying to taint it. Like, he's still going to be a Hall of Famer in everyone's eyes, but the writers, clearly. 
there should the fa- either I'm not saying necessarily the fans, but maybe like I don't know, maybe you could do a combination of like part fans, part owners, maybe part current players, part writers, I guess. Maybe like a combination. Yeah, the combination idea was where I was gonna go. We've seen with uh the All-Star game that fan voting isn't always the best. So I would I would lean against that personally. Yeah, it's biased. I would say just a bunch of former players, former coaches, former executives, and the writers. We can include them still. But let's just get a massive pool of all these people voting for it. So it can be more evenly balanced with what people saw on the clubhouse, what people saw in the field. Um in addition to what the writers saw from the press box. And maybe we can maybe you can still have like world. maybe you can still have fans and say like if we'll make it 50% because 75 is an insane number. Maybe like 50% of fans vote for this guy of like the total fan vote, vote for this guy. That's five votes. Like make it a low number where it's not like insane, but it also like still makes a difference. They have a little say, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. Um, That would be cool just to get people involved because that's, as we talked about in our marketing episode a few weeks ago, I would love to see the history of the game talked about more because frankly, not enough people appreciate as much as they should. Um, so yeah, this should be something that baseball does more to promote. So Add that would current be, players to that would be nice to have them tied in. Yeah, you're right. Because um, these guys grew up watching them. I mean, I'm sure a lot of these guys, Bonds and Clemens, were their favorite players as kids. So yeah. it, it just makes the dynamic even more interesting. And, yeah, and there's uh, a way you can split it up where the writers still get a portion of the vote. So it's still fair, like, so they don't freak out and protest or whatever they're going to do because they're writers but there's a way to do it where former players and coach and managers and gms i guess you could say and then current players get them a, get like 50 percent of the vote and then yeah. you give 20 percent to the writers five percent to the fans something like that yeah Maybe i like the direction seven, you're going. 70 20 10 i don't know something some weird split yeah um no you're right we need to still include the writers because they i respect them they still have a say but mm, as i don't the, know if i respect them all right yeah um but as the primary mechanism there are plenty right, of arguments yeah. against this as a flawed system and uh one more point i'll just add in is with all the talk of shilling Arod is almost like the anti-shilling he's done better damage control than anybody since he retired in terms of trying to become america's sweetheart with uh being on Sunday night baseball and sticking his nose into everything JLo's a part of, whether in it's in Times Square at the inauguration of the president. So I still, I doubt he gets in, but it's just interesting how he has I mean, actively tried to help himself socially. You're a Red Sox fan. Could you say like, this A-Rod's tolerable, right? He's definitely more tolerable than he used to be. That's for sure. Uh, when Which Ryan is- Dempster hit him, I was cheering louder than anybody. But I will say sometimes it is entertaining to see him on those post-game shows in the World Series or just how he's following J-Lo around everywhere like a little puppy. Obviously, nothing's going to beat Frank Thomas, Ortiz, and Pedro because that's a dynamic crew. But, I mean, A-Rod commentating, like how I said like uh, in the marketing episode where you can have like a Tony, Tony Romo type guy, he's been great in that role. I don't know if I'd go as far as saying great, but he's definitely been better. He does make a lot of good points, but there is, there's still a handful of things I disagree with. Like when he says Giovanni Urshela is the best third baseman in the league. Well, he's obviously still going to be biased, but no, you're right. That's where, that's where obviously Romo's been better than anyone is he's not biased towards the Cowboys, Mm -hmm. but take the bias out of it. And I mean, he, he's been accurate or he creates controversy, which is what you want out of an announcer. You're right. He has, done everything he's needed to and more since he retired to restore his image and try to make himself more of a fun character than the villain and hey, you gotta respect it the thing i do appreciate about him is that hell embrace being the villain he he knows what he's done in his life and maybe not he's not proud of it but he's like you know what whatever i'll take this on if you hate me fine go ahead and hate me but i'll i'll embrace that role you know i mean him and pa- him pedro and poppy they like they they go at it all the time, but like they're just joking. They're just having fun. But like he knows he's the villain in that situation, obviously, because everyone loves Ortiz and Pedro. 
<laughs> but he embraces that perfectly and it's awesome yeah those shows are prime entertainment they're just as good as the games themselves if we're being honest <laughs> sadly yes <laughs> but if all right we only got like eight more months to go and then we got the postseason we just we just got to get through a regular season and pray everybody stays healthy and that they can get vaccinated first yeah that's true Along those lines, um, MLB sent that proposal to the Players Association of 154-game <laughs> season delayed a little bit. So the thought is maybe they could get vaccinated or just buy some more time for COVID to settle down in the spring training hotspots. And Players Association rejected that. Um, they've had some heated debates lately, but I don't know. I, I liked that idea personally. Obviously, Looks yes, like we want as many games as possible. But I think from a health and safety standpoint, that definitely wasn't the worst thing MLB has ever offered. Looks like we're uh, going into another standoff, if you ask me. It's just another year and another standoff. Every year it happens. Yeah. And it's it's scary with the thought of a strike in the future because, as we all know, that would just be the worst thing that could possibly happen for everybody. So let's say a prayer they avoid that. because There's no way they agree on a new CBA. There's no shot. There's going to be a strike. The situation between them is extremely ugly right now. It seems just like the politics in our country that two sides can't come to an agreement on just about anything, even if it's might be in their best interest. I know when we had Dave on, he said it's not as bad as you think it is. But man, it does not seem that way. It seems way worse. Yeah. And I don't know. It's it's tough. Seems like it's only getting worse. Tony Clark and Rob Manfred are definitely not on each other's Christmas card list, if I'm guessing correctly. It's it's, it's a tough dynamic. We just hope they can figure something out. I honestly, I think Manfred, Manfred might be the scapegoat in this entire situation, if we're being honest, because he doesn't make any of those proposals. It's the owners. Yeah, he's the one who instituted the uh, 60 game season, but he won't get. He'll everyone will say, "Oh, he sucks," because he instituted a 60 game season. But, I mean, we weren't going to have baseball without that. That's the yeah. only credit I'll give him, though, because he sucks otherwise. No, you're right. As much of a controversial figure as he is, at the end of the day, he is a representative for the owners, so he's just doing what they want him to. So for all the people that say they hate Rob Manfred, which he's done his fair share to make that reason to not like him with his comments, like the, the piece of Maybe metal it was all a plan. trophy. But – there's so much blame to go around that he's far from the only person to blame in this situation. No, I completely agree. He's definitely to blame, but not in this particular situation. Mm-hmm. That, that's how I would put it. He's not, a, not obviously not the right man for the job because he's issued so many bad things. But I mean, he's done good things too. And he's, he's just the messenger in this situation. It's, he shouldn't be getting shot. He is though because he's a scapegoat and that's that's why the owners love him yeah well you know who is the right man for the job and ken griffey jr Jr. yes that will help the let the kids play move and i love how we're right on the same page there um if you even mildly like baseball you have to love that move i mean ken griffey is the original let the kids play guy he is going to bring some fresh ideas even if he doesn't have a huge voice at the table it's awesome to have his perspective in the commissioner's office knowing what he can bring so that move really pumped me up to see the hype tatis is getting and the hype Acuna had ken griffey was 10 times more than that when he was coming in from what i've been told from like my dad and i'm sure your dad's told you he's he was he made baseball like because that was right after that was right after this. They're right in the middle of the steroid era, right? Mm-hmm. Came so up in 87? Or right before, right like during the steroid era, theoretically. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a guy who stayed clean, which makes him even more impressive. But unfortunately, he had the bad end to his career. But he made baseball fun. Oh, yeah. Like fun, fun. You see that cover of Tatis on MLB The Show 21 awesome that's coming to xbox um but um another great that, marketing decision yeah oh, great. Getting better. um 
you see like the joy Tatis has and like how much swag he has. Then you go back and look at uh, MVP or whatever with uh, Ken Griffey, where he has the backwards hat and it's there's a home run swing from the All Star game in ninety something, ninety five maybe. Pretty know. much every All Star game from yeah. the nineties to the whole decade. Ninety two possibly. I don't know. It maybe eighty nine. I don't know. Um, he just he was baseball. Yeah, just a great hire. He paved the road for the area we're seeing today. So it's it's beautiful to see our man Theo making the decision to bring him in because those guys, those guys know what's good for the game. So hopefully even they if, get even a if bigger was, voice as the year goes on. Even if it was Manfred that brought him in, I'm still giving Theo the credit. <laughs> yeah, that is true. I got the sense that it was more Theo, but I suppose it's been possible a com- probably a combination. Uh, that's yeah. what I would assume. Um, and then, I mean, obviously the biggest news of the week was the Arenado trade plus $50 million um, to take him, which might be the most insane trade I've ever seen. And the Rockies should never be allowed to trade again. <laughs> but um, I mean, you trade away your best player in franchise history, right? I would say so. Yeah. Um, he's up there. And you give the team $50 million. So they theoretically owe him less than two hundred million over the next like eight years or whatever, which is ridiculous. And he's just going going to a team that's in a rebuilding division. I mean, what are you doing, Rockies? Yeah, while we're on the subject of owners, uh, definitely not a, a great look for Colorado. About what a year or two after he signed that deal. Um, two years, I think. They, yeah a straight salary dump. They got some talent with uh, Austin Gomber, Luke and Baker, Jan Torres, Jake Woodford and Angel Rondon. But let's be real here. You just traded the absolute superstar cornerstone of your franchise and didn't even get a huge top prospect back. I thought for sure when I saw that trade that Matthew Liebertrauer would be going, which for anybody not familiar, he came over from the Rays and the Randy Rosarina deal. Um, and it's a huge left-handed pitching prospect. When I saw that the Rockies and Cardinals were making this swap, I thought he was absolutely going to be in Colorado considering their need for pitching, but that didn't happen. Well, it seems even if he wasn't, I didn't think $50 million, $50 million included in the deal. That's like Blaine Gabbert, or not Blaine, Brock, Brock Osweiler, NFL deal. <laughs> oh, yes. You know, of Brock Osweiler. But yeah, this is it's a tough situation. You have to wonder how long Trevor Story has been there. Um, granted, he's got free agency coming up, but this is this is a clearer signal of a rebuild than anything. So, Rockies are they're in a tough spot. They've been stuck in neutral for a few years now, ever since that little run they had in seventeen and eighteen. But um, yeah, you have I mean, to feel bad for their fans with how that situation is looking. And they lost DJ of two years. Two two years ago, I guess now, um, who then became one of the best hitters in baseball somehow, and just completely rebuffed the idea that uh, Colorado is the best place to hit. Granted, he's a contact hitter, but still. And now you have Arenado, who was in a slump last year, is either one A or one B to Matt Chapman defensively, third baseman. Yeah, absolutely, and top five third baseman easily. I'd st- I still wouldn't put him top three because of his offensive struggles last year. Matt Chapman's my number one. Pro- I, I don't. I think yours too, if I'm not mistaken. I'm a Nolan guy, but it depends how 2021 goes. If it's a repeat, right, yeah. then it will probably will be Chapman. Yeah, um, but, don't but they're one on a one Devers. B. Right, De- oh, Devers is having a great uh, comeback. Yeah, he's he's doing good. Um, I would say Arenado could just rebuff all those Colorado. Re- re- uh, whatever they're called. Uh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, he could the just cores effect. Yeah. The cores effect. He could just, he could go off in St. Louis and then he's my, he'll be my number one third baseman in base. He'll be a top five player in baseball. If he just goes off, especially yeah. a career Renaissance like that. I would love to see it. And the Cardinals there, they're heating up a little bit, bringing back Wayne Wright uh, to, on one year deal. Uh, signs are pointing to Molina will probably be returning after the Caribbean World Series. He said he just wants to focus on that for the time being, but seems like he will more than likely be back in St. Louis. 
So you have to like what they're doing. And they've just completely plundered the NL West of their former superstars after getting Goldschmidt a few years ago. He's done a nice job in St. Louis so far. So they're, they just lay in the weeds and they'll make these big strikes sometimes. Um, so as tough as it is for the Rockies, an awesome opportunity for St. Louis. And if this deal is offered to you, you'd have to be crazy not to take it with getting yeah. a talent like that, not even after giving up a ton of your top talent in the minors. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're obviously aging team, like you said, um, old, one of the older teams in baseball, I'd say. But I mean, that Red Sox team in 13, the Giants in 12 and 14, those were nationals. older co- nationals in 19. Those were old course. Yeah. They won the World Series, went on insane runs. And I'm not saying it can't happen. The Cardinals are in a sucky division. <laughs> they have a better chance to win a division than anybody right now. Um, the Brewers will be tough. They'll be thorny as they always are. The Cubs lineup is still good. But let's be real. The Cardinals are going to win that division in a landslide. At least on paper right now, they should. Unless Bauer makes the most insane move and goes back to the Reds. Which would sounds like it's not gonna happen because the red it sounds like the Reds cheaped out on Didi and wouldn't pay him. Reds aren't paying anybody right now, which it's a shame. But but Cincinnati, yeah, that's Cincinnati budget. Who knows what Bauer's gonna do? He might be the most unpredictable man in all sports. Most unpredictable yet predictable because he tells us his every move. <laughs> that is true. Just see him uh, go sign in Australia or something. Gonna go play with Tanaka. Yeah. Um, but yeah, one more thing on the Rockies is this has been coming for a while because they've made some strange decisions. Let's run through some contracts they've given out the last few years. And you tell me if you think any of these have worked out. Ian Desmond, $70 million. Wade Davis, $52 million. Gerardo Parra, 27 and a half. <laughs> Brian Shaw, 27. Jake McGee, 27. Daniel Murphy, 24. Mike Dunn, 19. Jason Mott, 10. Should we count how many uh, of those are still playing baseball? You know, not many of them. Definitely not many of them. Um, so you make decisions like that, you end up trading Nolan Arenado, plain and simple. How's that GM still there? Yeah, uh, Jeff Bradich has not gotten some great comments from some people, and he's brought it upon himself. Yeah, he completely, uh, probably horrible comments, but he probably deserves them. <laughs> And at this point, you have to wonder, do they trade Story? Do they trade Herman Marquez? Do they trade John Gray, Antonio Senzatella? Just tear the thing down and get a great haul back because it's clear that they're not really going for it in the short term right now. I mean, and it's not like they can't. They're, they have the two best teams in baseball in their division, the Dodgers and Padres. However order that plays out, we'll see this year. It's probably Dodgers and Padres, but it might not be. You have the rising giants who probably I'd give it two more years until they're contenders, three more years until they're world series contenders around the same timeline as the Red Sox, but they're building something. The diamondbacks seem to always be there in the beginning and fade off, especially after that Bumgarner deal to try to solidify their rotation. Yeah. A so it's really the Rockies. Yeah. It's still, it's the Rockies who are in like the cellar of that really always consistent NL West division. Yeah. And uh, just about the Diamondbacks, I'm the captain of the Tori Lovello fan club, an awesome manager. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it is going to be tough sledding for the Rockies for a while. They they have not set themselves up very well. So there is some rebuilding to be done. Hey, maybe they'll get uh, Jack Leiter, though. Yeah. Hey. There are or, a lot uh, of uh, Kum- Mandy guys. Kumar. Kumaker or something his name is yeah Kumar probably going number one unless he just does something crazy this season and pitches poorly it's him him or lighter one of them's going number one yeah I as of now it's Kumar but hey we still got a whole college baseball season to go to see how that plays out should be fun I cannot wait um some other moves that happened this week just real quick Eddie Rosario heading to the Indians the Indians finally making a move to address their lineup which is refreshing to see after trading Lindor and letting some <laughs> other guys go. Indians also bring Cesar Hernandez back. A very good second baseman. Solid, underrated guy. Nice little contact hitter. Does his job well. Plays good defense. Has a gold glove on his shelf. So I like that move. Um, and then in the shortstop, uh, game of musical chairs, Andrelton Simmons heading to the Twins. 
Um, Jorge Polanco already at shortstop. So we'll see what they do there. Somebody's going to be DH. Well, it depends what they do with Nelson Cruz. Somebody will be DHing. Somebody will be playing second base. Luis Arise will be moving around. Um, so they have their work cut out for them a little bit there. But yeah, a guy with a glove like that who hits well also. Hard not to like it. And then Didi heading back to the Phillies. Uh, Dave Dombrowski and Middleton's magic money. So yeah. there's the latest on that front. Any thoughts? Anything that stands out to you? I mean, I like that um, DD's going back to the Phillies. They seem to be trying to build a contender, even though that division's very hard. We'll see how it goes. I, I like that Dombrowski's spending all the money that they didn't want uh, Maddie K to spend. Uh, that's that's lovely for us. Just lovely. Um, there goes all those internship opportunities. Um, but yeah, he's still yeah, with no. the Phillies. That's true, but not the same role. Yeah, he's not the GM anymore. Um, the Alice Cobb trade I liked because obviously we know the Angels need pitching. Um, so that's a big deal because I mean, they got to get trucks to the playoffs. MLB MLB has to rig it somehow, right? Like they got it. <laughs> that's that's why they want to expand the postseason. They they wanted yeah. to do it this year to get the Angels in, and then whoops, we let the Astros get in. They almost made the World Series. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think that's so what MLB had in mind. Uh, maybe it was the whole time. Um, who knows? I, Angelton Simmons to the Twins. I like that. That's like a consistent hitter in the middle of that power lineup, or towards the end, I guess he could be a seven hitter. So, um, but that's a good, a good consistency, a good consistent bat in the middle of a bunch of home run hitters, assuming they uh, bring back a few more guys. But yeah. Um, yeah, the Cobb one, definitely. Uh, his splitter has been a lot better lately. And according to Eno Saris on Twitter, shout out, he was one of 70 pitchers, starters, I should say, with above average stuff and command last year. So the Angels, they're almost like the Blue Jays, just adding a bunch of veteran arms, hoping it goes well, which for a team that struggled to get pitching in the past, they needed to. Um, I was surprised to see Jemai Jones get traded as a guy that was a top prospect before. He's kind of fallen down the ranks a little bit lately, though. Um, made a brief cameo this year. But on the whole, he uh, he hasn't lived up to everything in the higher levels of minors. So the Orioles getting some potential guy that can be a utility guy. But yeah, that's a deal that benefits both sides, uh, getting rid of the veteran so they can give some younger guys more of a chance in that rotation, like Dean Kramer, because that's all the Baltimore Orioles are right now is younger guys and Chris Davis. Yeah, no, I agree. And hopefully that Chris Davis contract ends soon because that's killing them. <laughs> Maybe he can uh, hit some more homers or something. <laughs> Probably not. All right, so before we get out of here, we're going to go back to something we did in our first episode that seemed fairly popular. We haven't done it in a while, but let's, let's go with some rapid-fire questions. So um, if you want to hit me with something, I'm game. All right. Um, so we talked about... Bauer, where he could go, who's not necessarily, it doesn't have to be a big name, but who's a name that hasn't been linked to somewhere that you could see happening? James Paxton, right there. Um, he was the ace for the Mariners for so long, up and down in New York, but still had a lot of potential. Started the first game of the postseason for them in 2019 before bouncing off and forth the DL, IL, excuse me, a bunch this year. So there's a guy that I think can be had on short-term money. Maybe he goes to his native Canada, helps the Blue Jays out because what veteran pitcher aren't they interested in? Maybe he goes to the Angels, they get another guy. Who knows? I think he fits on so many different teams. Hey, the Cardinals, we talked about them. They could use some more pitching too. So uh, Paxton is a guy I have my eye on. Um, Anybody stands out for you in there? Because that was actually one of the questions I had for you is most underrated starter pinkers still on the board. <laughs> well, I'm going to go Bauer, but I'm going to go. And this, I don't think this has been brought up yet. I don't know exactly the cap situation, so I don't know how the contract would work. Cardinals have been interested in, seem to be wanting to build something. You put Flaherty, you put Flaherty, Bauer, Wainwright as a one, two, three. Cool. Whoa! I'm telling you, with okay. the vet, and that's some veteran presence too. That's that's postseason experience pitching. 
I'm, they'd become a very, I'd almost root for them over the Braves to go to the World Series. Okay. Okay. I would love to see them have to do that. That'd be great. Um, they seem to want to more make trades to get their players, but hey, you never know. Surprises are a lot of fun, especially in baseball hot stove season. So give me all of that. Yeah. All right. What do you got for me? Um, let's see. Um, is there, oh, we didn't even, didn't even talk about this. Uh, the Ottavino trade thoughts. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I think it's great. You Red Sox, it's clear they needed back end bullpen help. So you get a guy with not a ton left on his contract who has that late in experience, even though it was up and down in New York. That's a guy that I thought in the 2019 offseason would be the Red Sox closer. So as strange as that was to see them deal with the Yankees, to be able to get Ottavino and a top 30 prospect from New York, sure, why not? The Yankees want to dump his salary. So I'll be the first one to step up and take him. And maybe he's got some secrets on there, guys. So that's why in-division trading is so rare. So, hey, I think it was a good move. I like that. I liked it. Yeah. All right. Project a surprise trade for me. Hmm. Or it doesn't even have to be a surprise, just a trade that you think might happen. Uh, well, I mean, the Mats one was going to be mine. I thought that was, I thought the Mets were going to trade him. I didn't think he was going to go to the Blue Jays though. I I actually uh, I feel like the Cubs is a popular one. Bryant. Bryant's a tricky. I was thinking. Yeah. So, I mean, as we know, I want him to go to the Braves. The Braves can't afford him. However, the Mets can. I'm not sure okay. if that would be a surprise at this point, but it would definitely draw some buzz, and I feel like that could be where he could have a renaissance. Yeah. Him and JD, that could give JD Davis bouncing around. Brian could play some outfield, platooning with Dom Smith and left maybe. So, hey, who aren't the Mets interested in at this point? Could be a great fit. Yeah, I'm along with you. I'd love to see the Braves. Hey, maybe the Cardinals just go crazy and pull our Red Sox and Yankees with an in division trade. I doubt that will happen, but and just, just have two fun. third basemen put them in outfield. Well, yeah, I was thinking more put him in left field because that's where he played um, a decent chunk in Chicago. Um, and yeah. once again, the universal DH raises those questions. Well, we have it. Nobody seems to know. Right now, that's it's the whole. No. That's another answer. Uh, Ozuna. That's going to depend where he goes. Yeah, Ozuna, Nelson Cruz, all these guys still hanging mm-hmm. up in the wind. Yeah. All right. Um, final question. Um, related a little bit back to college. Uh, since the season's starting soon for you guys, at least, uh, projection for UConn baseball. Well, I'm obviously just a little bit biased here, but yeah, but we I love that UConn baseball potential. We got some some veteran guys, we got some young guys, a lot of talent in the lineup, a lot of strong hitters, a lot of contact hitters, a lot of power hitters. Uh, Pat Winkle is the most obvious name. He was drafted by the Yankees out of high school, opted not to sign, came to UConn, has done a great job, was going to be hurt in 2020. So it almost benefited him a bit to have that season be cut so short. But as of now, he's a top catching prospect in the draft. So you got to love what he brings to the table. Also a great leader for our pitchers. Uh, we got some, some great pitchers too. Last week's show, I talked about Ben Kasparis a little bit, but there are a bunch of other names I could go on and on about, but we have a very deep rotation, a deep bullpen. Caleb Borster is one of the better closers out there right now. So I'm loving what we got. Um, so why don't you tell me a little bit about Fairfield? Well, no, what's the projection? Like, oh, okay. Winning the Big East, going farther. I hope the Big East could be easily enough done for us. It's not the strongest baseball conference. Um, Creighton always puts up a good fight, so they'll be a tough opponent. Yeah, I'm going to predict the College World Series is tough because we haven't been there since the 70s, but I'm predict a nice deep tournament run. Super uh, regionals? Yeah. Let's go for that. And hey, who knows? Maybe we surprise some people. Hey, I'd love the College World Series. That would be insane to uh, go manage there, like our fellow Zavarian alum, Jackson Kelly at Vandy. That'd be pretty cool. All right, Fairfield, you want me to tell you? Yeah, let's hear it. All right. Well, I don't know as much as you do, obviously, because I've only I've only been here for a semester. But that is true. I would say from what <laughs> from what I've <laughs> seen, uh, deep lineup, very 
very uh, experienced team. There's a lot of a fifth year, one sixth year guy, um, a lot of seniors, a few sophomores that start, um, a junior that starts, um, a few junior pitchers that are really good. Definitely a lot. The senior senior class takes up a lot. Senior and graduating uh, graduate students take up a lot of the rotation. I'd say um, there's some stud freshmen, stud freshman pitchers who are going to be big in uh, with our double double headers on the weekends, four games every weekend. That's going to be big to have the uh, depth from the freshman pitchers who can they can sling it. They got some. Uh, a few of them got uh, some nasty stuff. Um, yeah. We got a few, uh, probably our two outfielders, uh, Danny Ryan and uh, Giacomo. Um, those are probably two of our most consistent hitters and our best hitters. Uh, Mikey Caruso, Matt Venuto, uh, platoon at catching. They're both pretty good. Uh, I'm biased towards Matt just because he's my bud, but um, yeah. he's uh, he's a power hitter. He's gonna should launch some balls uh, this year. If you haven't seen his video, go check it out on Rushmore Films. Uh, Mike Bichetti at shortstop. Fastest hands I've ever seen. Justin Guerrero, one of the best hitters uh, Fairfield's ever seen his freshman year. I think he had the second most hits uh, ever as a Fairfield freshman. He's a junior now. Um, and then Charlie uh, Pagliari, Pagliari um, stud third baseman. Hey, for, so for a guy that said he was only been there for a semester, you know more than you uh, he give on. So yeah. I love it. Um, you went a little more in depth than I did, but I just want to give a shout out to uh, Dave Langer, who will be playing a good deal of third base for us. He follows the pod on Instagram. So we appreciate the support from him and hopefully we can get more of our guys to uh, get involved in the show. Yeah. Hopefully next week we'll get a few guys. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I got back to practice finally the other day, and you're going to be heading back soon sometime this week. Yeah, Wednesday. All right, fun times ahead. Maybe I'll get – I know there's a group of six juniors. Maybe I'll get them all on the pod. Oh, that'd be awesome. Head, nice head over. Forum-style forum interview. Yeah. Takes the pressure off, guys, too, with a bigger crew. One of the seniors I know is a communications guy, so maybe he'll co-host one of the episodes with us. Okay, I love it. Big things ahead with college baseball season heating up. Um, there was just so much in the MLB world that we could not talk about that this week. But with college coming soon, UConn opening day in 17 days, we'll have a ton more college baseball content for you guys. So thank you so much for listening. And this has been a great show. Don't forget to check out our social medias at Beyond the Diapod on Twitter and Beyond the Diamond Podcast on Instagram. Give us your thoughts, feedback, DM us with ideas, suggestions, any guests that you might want to come on whatever and whenever wherever let's hear it we'd love to yeah send us questions well and we'd love to answer questions at the beginning of shows we would it could be like rapid fire on steroids maybe that's not the best analogy to use after we <laughs> talked about steroids all show <laughs> i like that analogy uh, but all right guys thank you so much for listening it's been a great show and we will see you next week here on beyond the diamond thank you guys